Welcome to The Freedom Factor. I'm your host, Oliver Bardwell. Today, our special guest is Terry Patrick. She is an Iowa mom who has been fighting on the front lines to protect the innocence of our children here in Iowa for years. Terry has been doing research into the ALA, and because of her experience in taking pornographic and obscene material through the reconsideration process, she was invited to testify on the failings of that process at an oversight committee hearing recently at the Capitol. Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, Terry is also a contributor to our blog. She is a, an incredible researcher. We've done a lot of great work together. It's a privilege to have her here. So, oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks for joining us. So, tell me what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Moms for Liberty has been under attack, being called book banners. I don't understand it, but I think it's kind of a narrative that is being used as a tool to dox and silence concerned parents. I would agree with that. I think that um, the whole Moms for Liberty, um, you know, I'm sure if anyone watched that oversight uh, committee hearing, you know, anyone on the opposition, the first question they asked each one of us was, are you with Moms for Liberty? And what that had to do with the book process is very perplexing. Um, but I think it serves its purpose to support that narrative. Uh, first and foremost, I would say we were all moms. And my response to that question is, while I am with Moms for Liberty, when I started in the fall of 2021, specifically on those books, I had no clue who Moms for Liberty was. I didn't know any of the other mothers that we've now become friends. Um, so I think that's just a tactic to spin a narrative, just like the title of book banning, right? Because when they say it's about book banning, they automatically want to elicit an emotion, which then paralyzes anyone to stop and say, what are they really talking about? Are they really talking about book banning? No, we're going to be so upset. We're going to get people so charged and polarized that we're never going to have the opportunity to have a discussion about what some of the actual content in those books are, which in our in our opinion is sexually explicit content um, that crosses a line. And you're not really asking to ban books. You're asking for them to be age appropriate or and for like a rating system like we have for movies. Correct. And, you know, the other thing I, I struggle with understanding is schools, school districts, they all have uh, policies and procedures in place to deal with content that's sexually explicit that can't be accessed on their school issued devices, be that a Chromebook or an iPad. You know, you couldn't search for some of those topics or see a picture like in Gender Queer. You could not access that on your school device. Why is that not consistent with books in the library? Like in my head, that is a total um, logical explanation as why is this not consistent? So you're saying that if they want to restrict it in the rest of the areas, why aren't they restricting it in the library or in the classroom? Correct. Because we all know that exposing kids to sexually explicit content at early age is not healthy. And so we care about those kids in the digital world. Why don't we have that same care and concern for those kids when it comes to books in the library? And so you're not trying to ban To Kill a Mockingbird, which was banned, right? And I don't even think it's banned. I think schools still use that book uh, in their curriculum and it's in the libraries. So um, I really struggle when that word banning is used because like many other words, they've twisted what that word really means. And therefore, again, to support that narrative and to, to get people angry and upset. 
Yeah, and to me, a banned book is like a book you can't find anywhere, and you have to go get a bootleg copy of it and read it in the dark with a flashlight. Right. And you know what I will say is one of the books that we had researched is a book called Lucky. It actually, the publisher is no longer publishing that book, yet it's still in our libraries. And when I challenged that at my school, they actually did remove that book because the author had accused the uh, the person who assaulted her and named them in that book, and they've been acquitted thus far. So if you talk about like what's a banned book, it was banned by the publisher because it's not true. But I have never, I would hesitate to see what book has actually been banned. What uh, what was your experience like when you took the book Gender Queer through the process? And that's a book. If anybody looks at it, um, it, it shows graphic depiction of you know a young kid giving an adult a oral whatever. I'm not going to say it, but if you look up genderqueer and look at the photos, you'll see what we're talking about. Right. And and then, um, so I brought that up originally to one of the, our board members on our school board that, um, you know, I'd talked with before about some other issues in the school. And he instructed me to follow the process. So I submitted the proper paperwork and all those forms. And I thought, well, we get so many books in the library. I'm sure nobody actually opened it and saw those pictures. I bet it got put on the shelf, but once we bring awareness to it, then they're going to be like, oh, shucks, I'm not sure how this got in here with those pictures. Let's just uh, remove that book. Of course, that's not not what happened. And I think what raised the most red flags for me was, uh, first and foremost, two students sit on that first review committee. And this was at our ninth grade school. So we're talking 14, 15-year-olds having access to this book. And it was a unanimous decision to keep the book in the library unrestricted. So uh, I don't know if people know this, but when you submit that reconsideration form in my district, you can either keep the book in the library or keep it in the library with restrictions. So let's say parental permission is needed to check out the book or those pages are removed from the book or you can remove it. And there wasn't even thought or entertaining the idea of maybe if we just put restrictions on that book. And so that to me was a huge red flag saying there's something there's something else behind this with the books in the library. Like, why wouldn't anyone at least just say, not one person said, hey, maybe this one might need parental permission. Wow. So you you participated in a, a committee oversight hearing, and they invited uh, moms who had been through that process so they could get a better idea of how it might be improved. Is that right? Correct. Because, and you know, I kind of prepared my... I put out the timeline, you know, here I started, you know, the date I started. And then, of course, in my district, it goes through the first review committee, and then it goes to the teaching and learning services advisory committee, and then it goes to the school board for a vote. And then after that, you can appeal to the Department of Education. And so I went ahead and went through that process. So, you know, I probably started, it was before Christmas uh, of 2021, and I had that final hearing with my school district. March 28th. And then the final meeting with the Department of Education was August 4th. So that's quite an extended time to go through a reconsideration process. Which is just mind boggling. I mean, you've got pornographic images in a book that if if that book was given to a kid outside of the school, what would happen if, a, if an adult gave that book to a child? Uh, that I can't speak to. Um, mm. I would have to 
I, d- I don't know what would happen if an adult gave that. Um, I think it's inappropriate to give to a minor, um, but uh, I can't, I don't know if it. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, it blows me away that parents are defending these books. I mean, I can understand, I'm a free speech guy, you know, so I can understand. I If I hear book banning, I'm like, hey, that's not right. It's free speech. But when I pick up the book Push and I start reading about detailed description of incest that has no value whatsoever, I question, are, do they even read the books? Do they know what's in the books? Or are they just getting on the bandwagon of book banning and saying, hey, we're not for it? I think they're getting on the bandwagon of book banning, in my opinion. Um, and I think a lot of people do that because nobody wants to ban books. I don't want to ban books, clearly. Um, I think many, many people hear that book banning. Again, it just makes people so angry they can't see past what we're actually talking about. So I know when we've shown people, like there's one book, let's talk about it, is the name of the book, right? And even the images in it are pretty extreme. But what was most concerning to me is on this book, it says the internet is chock-a-lock full of pornography and you can explore that pornography to find out what your sexual preferences and kinks are. Like, who thinks it's okay or healthy? I would think a majority of parents, anyway, do not think it's healthy in a book, in a public library, at the school, public library, to say, hey, kids, why don't you go to the internet, go check out this porn sites, because it's all out there and you can learn something new. Like, I don't think that's healthy. That is not healthy. So, recently, you had a um, another process, another book go through the process. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I, after uh, the genderqueer decision by the Iowa Department of Education, um, it was advised that I put that genderqueer back through with a parent who has a child at the ninth grade school. Um, After that meeting in August, I got a call from a parent and said, oh, by the way, uh, I have a student in a class at Valley High School where my son goes, and the book is in a teacher's classroom, like on display on the whiteboard. So uh, I submitted that one as well. Um, I submitted about five books. I met with the new superintendent uh, asking if we could kindly not have students be part of that first reconsideration process. Um, you know, I was not successful at that, but had a discussion about the the books from last year and, and what was happening. So on that reconsideration form, you can check if you want to talk to the reconsideration committee. Well, I found out that they met to discuss those books on Monday, and I never got notification. So I never had opportunity to actually speak to that committee. Um, so I thought that was interesting, as well as three of the books were at Valley Southwoods. The other five, I think I submitted, uh, happened to be at Valley High School. So I just submit reconsideration forms for each um, school because the first committee is handpicked by the principal of the school. So while I'm in the same district, I just submit double forms for each. Haven't heard anything about the books that were challenged at uh, Valley Southwoods. I submitted all of these on September 30th. And then evidently on Monday of this week, uh, they met about two of the books that were in the school. I think Push and Tricks were the two books I challenged, two of the six books I challenged. And so you submitted the books, you submitted the you the forms for the process, and they didn't contact you when they had the hearing? 
No, uh, they had the meeting and uh, I had asked for an update uh, this week from the principal and he said he didn't have an update, but he did know that they met on Monday. So, but that's that's the process, right? And people are upset because all we hear is we have a process, we have a process. You guys shouldn't be upset because there's a process. And all I'm saying is the process is broken. There's no objective criteria for this process. There's no... When you look at a book for sexually explicit content, there's nothing that says, you know, if it contains like a movie rating, if it contains this level of sexual whatever, um, there's none of that. It's just people sitting in a room thinking, is this book okay for our kids or not? And I'm saying, let's put some objective criteria around that. That makes sense. You know, I I was involved in that committee with you guys when we talked to uh, some of the legislators about that. Have you had further contact with legislators on the process? Do you have a feeling where it's going and where you would like it to go? Because there's obviously going to there's going to be some legislation that comes out that will address that. Do you have an idea of what that's going to look like? I don't know what that's going to look like. I know the governor has a proposal that she has dropped a bill for that. Uh, Sandy, uh, Salmon, and Helena dropped a co-sponsored bill in regards to the books last week. I haven't done a deep dive. Um, But what I feel needs to happen is, A, you should have the same criteria on books that you have and restrict access to what is allowable to be accessed on your digital school devices. I think first and foremost, um, that makes the most sense. Secondly, I think there should be some rating system or objective criteria on these books, not unlike a TV show or a movie or a video game. Like this isn't a new area we're heading into. We do it with so many other things. And so I think that that is critical as well. And I think once you have that objective criteria, then it's just a simple decision tree. Does it have this? Yes. Okay. We're going to restrict it or pull it from the library. Does it have, you know, this kind of content? And then it's not, it's it's like a decision tree at that point. Like it should take all that objectivity out of it. And whatever policies you put in place for reconsideration, I think you need to have in place for books being allowed in the library to kind of stop some of that before it gets in the library. Um, and I say that because in my hearing, one of the hearings that I had with the Iowa Department of Education and West Des Moines schools, my lawyer specifically said, can you name a book that isn't allowed in the public school library? The superintendent and the board president couldn't think of one. So he literally said, what about a book with, you know, two adults in a sexual, naked, in a sexual position? Is that acceptable? And they said, well, if someone complains about it, then we'll follow the process. In my mind, that tells me that any book is allowed in the library and only until someone is concerned about it, do they address it. And then when they do address it, then it still has to go to that committee, which has two minors or students on that committee. So I think something needs to be done as far as books coming in so that they're not in there in the first place if they meet those criteria of something, like I said, to the internet. If you can't search it on the internet, probably shouldn't be in the library. That makes way too much sense. I'm not a member of Moms for Liberty, and that makes sense to me. So I'm not sure what the big deal is. I mean, it's like, okay, so we want to rate books and have some safeguards so our kids aren't reading this garbage. Why do you think that's such an issue? It's not an issue with their devices. It's not an issue with 
movies. It's not an issue with to rate and kind of monitor those kind of things. Why is it such an issue with uh, these books? I don't know, because I've yet to hear any IT department <laughs> employee or executive or anyone who rates movies called the same kind of names that we've been called, right? I just have never heard them called those horrible names that we have been called. Daughters of the Confederacy, I think, is what that legislator used when she was speaking. Moms for bigotry. Yeah, someone said that, right? And I, it's restricting. It's not banning. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, um, I don't get it. I, I think it's a cancel culture kind of thing. I think it's a, it's if you don't agree with us, if you don't, and and they try to make it also about the LGBT community. It's like, okay, we're just talking about, or you're just talking about pornography. It doesn't matter if it's heterosexual or homosexual or bisexual or one of the 164 gender identity sexual whatevers they're talking about. It's just about that obscene nature and pornographic content. Correct. And, you know, one of the school board members, he had asked me when he was interrogating me at the at the board meeting, you know, he's he said, well, this book's 200 pages. Are you telling me that a certain percentage of it's bad? I'm like, where do you draw the line, right? Is it one act of oral sex that draws the line? Is it five? Like, where is that limit? I, we don't do that with anything else, right? We don't say, if you take just a little bit of cocaine or just a little bit of alcohol, then then that's okay. But it, but if you have maybe a glass as a minor, well, then we have a problem, right? So <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's a bad example, but where else do we say, you know, just a little bit of something that couldn't be healthy. We'll go ahead, go ahead with that. I mean, I, I said in there, you know, like, um, uh, we don't have, you know, kids, he said, well, kids like this content, we have to appeal to what kids like. And I said, I think probably some kids that are minors get access to alcohol or drugs. I said, but we don't have that in our vending machines at school. We don't say, would you like milk or beer today with your lunch? Just because kids want access to it doesn't necessarily mean in a public school setting, we provide that to them. So with that being said, which makes perfect sense, I, I want to play this clip from your hearing with the Iowa Department of Education and the West Des Moines School District. Could you kind of preface it with a little bit of an explanation? So basically, my lawyer asks, what book would not be allowed into the school library? And he's asking that of the superintendent. If, what content would you not allow to have in the school library? Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and play that. What, in your mind, is the level of uh, sexual material in a book that would make it not appropriate to include in, in a school library? I would object to that. It's beyond the scope of my direct. Objection noted, but uh, answer the question, Agree. I, I don't really have a, you know, a... If a book is appropriate based on our policy for selection of materials, I'm comfortable with it in our in our libraries. So can you be an example of a book that would not be appropriate under that policy? I am not able to give an example at this time. Suppose a book had a photographic depiction of adults having intercourse showing their genitals 
in a photograph. Would that be appropriate in the school library? Also speculation, not relevant. I'm going to sustain the sustain the objection. Council will be here to rephrase. Categorically, would you consider a book that had photographs of naked adults in sexual situations to be inappropriate in a school library? So I believe that if we had um, a book that someone had a concern about, we would follow policy 60505 and determine if that book should be allowed in the library. So the answer to my question is no, it's not categorically inappropriate. You would have to look at the book and make a decision through your process. Is that right? We would use the policy and follow policy to make the decision, yes. That would involve uh, a building level committee looking at the book with photos of uh, nude adults having sex to decide if that was appropriate for the school library, right? Correct. Okay, so he's saying that you could have a book with photographs of people having sex and they can't just pull it. Correct. So what she was saying is we'd have to follow the policy, which our policy states that first reconsideration committee has to have two students on it. So basically we're saying, I mean, he basically describes a playboy, right? Two adults having sex naked. And we're saying categorically, we can't pull that book. You have to follow the process. You'll put two students on a committee to decide if that book's appropriate to be in the school or not. So my point would be, how do those books get in the library in the first place? Right? Back to the standards question. And secondly, we can't see that and say, just as adult, that's probably not healthy. We have to go to a committee to tell us that that's not healthy, a committee that includes two minor students. That's mind-boggling. I mean, they can't just pull up because it has nudity and pornography in it. Correct. They have to follow the policy. And that's what this whole meeting is about, is about this policy. And the Iowa School Board Association says there's a policy. Legislators that are in opposition of us looking at these, they say there's a policy. Yeah, this is the policy. This policy is not adequate. And I want to be clear about something. Uh, the, the the legislators who are in opposition to creating a policy that will protect our kids from pornography, it's all about politics. It's not about the kids. It's about politics. Right. I don't even think it's about the books that we're raising questions about. I think it's about politics. I think people have gotten so polarized on a political agenda or following some political ideology that we've gotten so far away from it's really about the kids. It's really about sexually explicit content. And that's what should be most important. Talking about our kids should be a nonpartisan topic. It, it is political. It is cultural. It is this, this weird cultural battle that we're having right now that is part of this. I would agree. I would agree that, that that's the way it seems to be playing out. When I was a kid, I was reading My Side of the Mountain, or which here's what happens. You read a book as a kid, and I lived in the country. I read this book, and then I wanted to learn about tracking, and I spent time in the woods tracking. I read Tom Brown Jr.'s The Tracker and some of his books. And so these are things that inspired me as a kid, you know, and I, 
I was a fan of Bruce Lee, so I started practicing Kung Fu. You know, I found a Kung Fu teacher. Our minds, when we're young, we have to guard the doorway to our kids' minds because what we feed our kids is what they become interested in. It's what they become curious about. It's what they aspire to be. And when we're allowing these obscenities to infiltrate their minds, that's what they're curious about. That's what they're thinking about. That's what they're aspiring to be. I mean, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with that. And, you know, why do we not hold our authors to a higher standard, right? Where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line of what's acceptable or what's not acceptable? And at a minimum, I still go back to the fact that no school even considers parental consent on some of this stuff is just mind-blowing to me. So maybe some of it isn't, you know, pornography. Some of the other books I know that, you know, uh, we put together this lookbook, which now has been, you know, downloaded and shared on the opposition's website, right? It's really a book of awareness. Like I, someone said, oh my gosh, we saw their playbook. It's not a playbook. It's like no one is listening to what some of that content is. It was an easy way to say, here are some of the excerpts we're talking about. We're not talking about the common narrative. So I don't know. I just I just struggle when I look at this, at all of the hatred, and when all we're asking for is restricting access to these materials that are already restricted viewing on public school <laughs> devices. And that brings me to... Uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the ALA. So what is the agenda here? What is the policy from the ALA? What is this uh, freedom to read policy? So I know with one of the reconsiderations I submitted, the committee, the first review committee was given the American Library Association's freedom to read. And one of the criteria and the guiding principles was you need to defend the ALA freedom to read and not individual materials. If that's our starting point for a book reconsideration, all we're looking at is an individual material at that point. Will any book ever be successfully reconsidered? So the ALA Freedom to Read basically says that based on, you know, First Amendment rights, everyone has the freedom to read any book that they want. And I agree with that. Where I think it stops short is it doesn't address any content for minors. Right, what's acceptable for an adult to read may not be acceptable for a child to read. Just the same thing as why we have movies uh, and ratings on movies, and you know, porn is technically a movie, but we don't say, "Kids, let's go enjoy that movie based on your First Amendment right." So, um, you know, while I agree with the Freedom to Read Act, I think where it lacks is what what about when it comes to minors? And I say that because. Um, Last year, I think it was in March, uh, the catalog that most districts use in Iowa and actually across the United States is a folet. It's the library catalog where you can, you know, check out books or see what books are in your school. And a state approached this company, this folet company, which is a data management software, saying, hey, we want to help put parental controls in because we've gotten requests from states to do that. Can we send out an email when your student checks out a book? We're going to tell you what the tags are in the book, and we're going to give you a summary of that. In addition, we're going to let parents decide if there's books that they don't want their kids to see, and they can request it. So on the American Library Association website, they have a really fabulous blog post where so many librarians and the ALA 
complained and said, that will take away the freedom to read of all of these students. And they said, we're not going to use your tool anymore. So ultimately what happened was this company, this Follett company, decided to not go through with a software enhancement because of the power of the ALA and because of the pushback they got from librarians. That enhancement in and of itself would have rebuilt so much trust. And here we are saying, no, we do not want parents to know what their kids are reading. We don't want them to have access to what their kids are reading. And by all means, we don't want them to restrict certain content to their kids. Like to me, that is absolutely mind-blowing, showing that I feel there's a bigger agenda. You know, I don't want to get into the weeds. I mean, for me, it's kind of common sense. It's like, okay, as parents, we are protectors of our children. And, you know, they're at home. We try to monitor what they're doing, which is harder now that they have these little devices. I'm glad that Sandy, our representative Sam Salmon, has some legislation coming out that will make it so some of those filters have to be turned on when they get the phones and whatnot. But, you know, we have these kids that have been in lockdown and kids that have been sequestered into seclusion and they're learning from TikTok and YouTube and whatever else it is they're they're learning from all these influencers. So I'm with you. It's like, what's the big, bigger agenda? Because common sense would dictate that you protect your children from obscenity. I agree. How else can you look at it when people were asking for a solution? Mm. A company is so driven by profit because all of these libraries will pull out to give parents a little bit of transparency into what their kids are checking out. And they they say, no, no, we're not going to do it because that American Library Association is too strong. American Library Association, they're our guiding principle for these reconsideration processes. They sponsor Banned Book Week. They promote Banned Book Week. On my West Des Moines School District's website, when you search catalog catalogs and categories in that Go Follett uh, system, they have a category literally called banned books that kids can search from. And this is where we're getting our gold standard for how what we do for a reconsideration process. And if I were a kid, I would look for the banned books link. We were all right? kids at one time. <laughs> we would all do that, right? So I, you know, I just struggle uh, to understand how it got there. You know, I don't know. I wish I had a better answer for you. Yeah, you know, and what what's your response to? I, so we have the ALA. There's some sort of odd agenda here. What about all these parents? Why are they on this bandwagon of um, lashing out at moms for liberty for just wanting some transparency and some ratings and maybe a little bit of protection for your kids? Why do you think there's this backlash? I think it's political. I think it's all an agenda. I think it's political. I think the whole current status that we see anymore is people are so polarized and we just, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I It doesn't. It's like you're on this side or you're on this side. Right. And we never can have that discussion that brings us together. Like, like, automatically people come to the table angry and hateful and calling names. Never in the history has that ever worked out to get to a common solution, right? I'm shocked because I would think parents in general 
I, I never thought I would be villainized, become the villain for caring about parental rights, kids' education, liberty, for goodness sakes. And we're all of a sudden these horrible, hateful people. Like, who thought we would get to this place? Yeah, you know, and I think at that point, you just have to pay attention to all the folks that are so grateful for the work you're doing. You know, there's always going to be haters. There's always going to be ignorant people that either they don't know the whole story, they don't care to delve into the whole story, or they're just so invested in their party or their movement that they believe all the lies. You know, one of the things that even at my school board meeting, you know, about the book, someone's like, well, I don't think this content's that bad because they can get it on their phone. And back to your point of you read those things, you learned how to track, so you went out and and learned how to track. Well, today, if, if we see in a book, you know, one of the books I quoted talked about a specific pornographic scene, which I don't want to repeat right now because it was terrifying. What if kids interested like, oh, I want to. I want to explore that. So what are they going to do? Pull out their phone and hello, let's introduce, let's get this introduction here to pornography. Or, you know, one of these books had a phrase in it and I'm going to be honest, I didn't know what it meant. So I Googled it. And when I Googled the term, it took me t- straight to videos. It didn't take me like, here's what the definition of, of this word is. And then when I went and I did that same search on an alternative search engine, I think I used like Swiss cows or something, it wouldn't even let me do the search because it flagged it as pornographic content. And it said, thanks for understanding, but this is, term is flagged as pornographic content, so we're not going to deliver this search. So, I mean, it can't work both ways. People say, oh, they see it on their phone all the time. True. So what if I don't know about something I read? I go search it on my phone. And all of a sudden, then we've introduced them to a whole world of sexually explicit, like the book, let's talk about it, right? Hey, if you want to find out about your kinks, then the internet is a great place to search for that. Yeah, you know, my answer to that is, okay, so if they're seeing it on their phone, how do we keep it so minors aren't seeing that on their phone? Instead of saying, oh, well, they're already seeing it on their phone. We need to go down that path and say, okay, so how do we create ratings for that so that our children are not seeing pornography on their phones or those things on their phones? Well, people say that, and and I look at the other side of that, where there are parents who actively try and put controls on their phone. There are parents who now are, you know, when you have a streaming service, you can put parental restrictions on that. And so... You know, people say, oh, any kid can see it. Well, some parents actually try to prevent their kids from seeing that, which to me reinforces, like, why isn't a library a safe place to not have our kids have access to that? If we work so hard on it outside of that, I mean, they just make the assumption that all parents don't care and let their kids see all of that stuff. Or, And granted, kids are really smart and can find workarounds to things. But when you have parents that actively try to monitor what their kids are seeing. My mom used to have all these sayings that drove me crazy when I was a kid. One of them was, well, if your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? Right? Right. (laughs) I mean, perfect sense. So, I don't know. Because that, you know, one of the board members, when I was questioning a picture in gender queer, instead of talking about the content of the book, she interrogated me 
uh, I, I had claimed one of the pictures in there was pedophilia. So, you know, it's a man with facial hair <clears throat> on his knees naked, and there's a boy or someone who, at least standing, does not have facial hair in his eye level. And she said, how do you know that, that that's, you know, pedophilia? Do you see the ages of the people in that book? And I'm like, I don't. But clearly, <laughs> at first glance, the guy has facial hair. They're at eye level. He's on his knees. And she said, could it not just be two adults adulting and one person is smaller and has shaved? And in my head, I'm like, so that makes that picture okay in that book? Like, it's just mind-blowing to me. Where we- it's, it is. I had conversations with those folks outside of the chambers. So I stood out in the hallway with some people with rainbow masks on and people that were opposed to any legislation that would put ratings on books. And they were saying book banning, but they obviously that was in ignorance. But Kimberly from the Iowa Mama Bears had a t-shirt on with a page that you're talking about. And she had it on a on a little poster board. And there was somebody who was trying to do a live news broadcast in the hallway there. And she was holding the board up. And he said, well, you got to stop that because I can't air that with that image in the background. And she said, right, you can't air it on TV with the image in the background, but you can have it in our school libraries and in our classrooms for our kids to see. Correct. And and I'll tell you, what, like, what value having that picture in that book? Like, I think the book would have still had the same impact had that image not been in there, right? Like, why did that have to be in there? And I will tell you that back a little bit to the ALA, specifically, you know, I saw an article and the author had said, I didn't write this book for this young adult audience, right? It didn't gain popularity with the young adult audience until the ALA gave it an award, the Alex Award. And that Alex Award says it is for books written for adults that kids 12 to 18 like. So who is pushing this agenda? The author clearly stated, you know, that wasn't my intent. It just all came about because it got this award from the very ALA that pushes banned books that probably tried to create this stir I don't know. I just feel like there's an agenda behind a lot of this stuff. And I think it's been happening for a long time. I think, you know, as parents, we just trusted that there were certain standards that were in school libraries, like, is it PG-13 or what have you? And now we're finding out, well, that's not true. And now that we're looking, people are upset because we're finding some of this content that probably shouldn't have made it in there in the first place. And authors are allowed to push that boundary. So where's it going to stop, right? Where does it stop? If And the reason I, I had actually um, also challenged All Boys Aren't Blue, at the same time I did genderqueer, All Boys Aren't Blue was at the high school. And I went with genderqueer because I thought, if they keep this book in the school with literally pictures of that, then I believe that there is a bigger problem, right? What book is ever going to get pulled if, if no one's going to do anything with genderqueer? Well, your your uh, inference is probably correct. There's a bigger problem. And we we really appreciate Moms for Liberty fighting for our kids. Um, I know that you've taken a lot of backlash, or at least Moms for Liberty has. And I know you've been involved in this fight before Moms for Liberty. So we want to thank you for everything you're doing and for staying vigilant. I know it's 
it's not easy, especially when you're under attack for utilizing some common sense and decency. But we do appreciate it. I want to thank everybody for listening. Terry, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for everything you're doing. I know sometimes it's tiring. Um, If you go to our website, you'll see some of Terry's research and blog posts. And she spends countless hours researching the ALA and Castle and SEL and the Superintendents Association and ASCA and finding out, you know, really delving into what's gone on in our public school systems. So we appreciate all that work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And thanks for coming on. Thank you. And everybody, thanks for listening. I hope that this was informative. Uh, Please like and subscribe. And until next time, just remember our liberties we prize and our rights we will maintain. (laughs) 